and you know i went back to that that trust element before you know if we just knock on on the door of or you know somebody introduces us that that really doesn't have a deep sort of you know affiliation or, or, or can't really vouch you know for, for our characters and our track record really hard but what we've also you know found is you know the flip of that is somebody that's been you know investing with us since that first spv and you know now they call their you know their friend and say hey look this has been great oftentimes you know we get an investment from them sight unseen right we don't even have to take the meeting so you know you really find once you start pulling on some of these strings Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, we've got Wes Barton. Wes, thanks for making time. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Jess. Yeah, you bet. So managing partner at Third Prime, your venture capital firm's deployed over $100 million so far. Can you give people a little bit of a sense of the fintech and some of the kind of investments you guys like to make? Yeah, obviously spent spend a lot of time in, in fintech, although we are generally agnostic to industry. About 65% of the dollars we've deployed have been in the fintech uh, you know, space, however, you know, in that, you know, some companies that, that folks might have heard of, you know, Octane Lending, which is uh, a lender in the power sports space, providing a lot of, you know, technology, you know, into sort of, you know, underwriting and, you know, providing a much better product to, you know, to dealers. Um, also involved with a company called Pedal, which is a credit card. You know, some folks have probably heard about, you know, cash flow underwriting. So, you know, leveraging you know, the ability to go into, you know, bank accounts and look at, you know, sort of whether or not someone is a good credit outside of a FICO score. That's been a company that's doing really, really well. And I think, you know, benefiting a lot of folks that, that previously were, were, were not able to obtain credit. Um, involved in a company called Climb Credit, which is working with trade schools and, uh, you know, secondary programs, certification programs. So, so folks that might want to, you know, find a path outside of your you know, traditional four-year colleges. And, and, you know, we're really excited about that business because they enable the financing of, of, of those certificates and, and, and trades. And, you know, we found that, that most of the folks coming into those programs are making on average about $35,000 a year. You know, six, 12 months later, when they come out of those programs, are finding jobs where they can make $60,000 a year. So the ROI is, you know, very, very powerful there. So, so those, those, those are a few companies that, that we're involved in. I can obviously just, you know, continue to, to, to name others, but um, I'm really excited about a lot of the entrepreneurs that we get to work with on a daily basis. Yeah. So, and about what kind of bite size are you guys usually looking at? Yeah. So we're, you know, we're an early stage firm. So, you know, typically nothing is too early for us. If, if an entrepreneur has an idea on a napkin, we're happy to sit down and, you know, sort of talk to them about, you know, sort of, you know, their vision and, and what they're looking to achieve. You know, generally a middle of the fairway deal for us though, would be, you know, a company that's looking to raise probably three to $5 million. We would generally take about half of that round. Um, and then have have meaningful reserves, you know, to participate in, in sort of the the Series A round and, and beyond. But uh, call it a million and a half is is really the sweet spot for us. Yeah, you know, we've had a lot of venture capitalists on the show over over time here. Something that I think could be a little bit fun is, you know, so many people are talking to you guys about how to get money from you. I'd love to talk about best practices in fundraising. You know, as a as a fund yourself. When you think about, I don't know, when you think about your experience, what do you feel like is not obvious to people when it comes to raising for a fund instead of raising for a company? Yeah, well, look, you know, first off, it, it's competitive. You know, there, there are a lot of venture firms out there. There are a lot of talented investors out there. So, you know, just like entrepreneurs are thinking about, you know, sort of how to position themselves, how, how to sort of, you know, sell folks on the opportunity. 
you know, very much the same for us, right? So we, we get, you know, we wear both shoes. We're, we're, you know, deciding where to allocate money, but at the same time, try to convince folks to allocate money to us. And so you know, we, we, you know, are, are thoughtful about sort of our approach and how we build our team and, and, and sort of what the, you know, the value proposition is for, you know, for investors, how, how we're differentiated from, from other firms. You know, some of the key attributes, I think, of Third Prime we we actually invest generally outside of the valley, so there are a lot of firms in the valley. We're, we're you know headquartered in New York City, but about half the capital we've you know invested to date have been in you know sort of secondary and tertiary you know domestic geographies. So places like Huntsville, Alabama, and Greensboro, North Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina. So you know we we really like to meet these entrepreneurs and spend time in communities where you know frankly there might not be sort of a venture capitalist. You know, on every corner. That that's something that I think you know has resonated with with a lot of investors you know in our funds. Um, you know, second to that is we run much more sort of high conviction, concentrated portfolios. So, so just, you know, there's, there's some strategies out there that, you know, are, are investing 30, 40, you know, sort of 50 companies per fund. We're going to be closer to 15. So, you know, we really sort of concentrate our time and capital into what we think are, are sort of the, the best opportunities. But most importantly, from an entrepreneur standpoint, what that enables us to do is, is to really be hands-on, to do everything, you know, we can. Um, as a team to try to you know help them achieve milestones that are going to be necessary to to raise their 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 next financing round. So so I think those those are a couple attributes of you know that, that are that, that are unique about us and also that we're we're sort of a non-traditional team. You know we we've got you know four folks that are that are day to day and then two other operating partners. But of the day to day, three of the four are, are former lawyers. So we are quite facile at, at sort of wading into you know, industries that, that might have a regulatory bent, wrapping our heads around, you know, sort of how to, how to navigate those landscapes, I think, you know, has, has resonated and been helpful to some of our entrepreneurs. And, you know, again, just, just we, we, you know, have to think about how, how we fit into this landscape and, and why, you know, an investment in third prime could be superior to some of the alternatives. Yeah. So I do think about this, you know, I think, I think about raising investment funds in general and, it seems like so often the strategy is better. Hey, look at this. This is why we're better. And yet it seems like the folks who are different are the ones who, who seem to attract more attention because the rest seem to kind of blend in. Do you, do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, look, I, I, I think it, it's important to cast a wide net and, and to be you know, sort of cognizant of, of the, there are a lot of folks out there. And, and, and you know, so there's a lot of capital. So, so one of the things that we try to do is prove ourselves to be the best partner. And, you know, again, I think part of that is is by running a, you know, a smaller portfolio, you know, to, to really making our, our founders and, and the folks that we've worked with, you know, in the past available as we're, you know, assessing an investment. Many times that's very, very competitive, that, that it's not just us issuing a term sheet. There, there are several firms issuing a term sheet. So, so you know, while I think, you know, the, the, the better aspect, you know, certainly comes into play, you know, again, you know, the reason that we're going into Huntsville and some of these, you know, markets as well is is to be different because, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we did a deal in Huntsville and yes, the capital was there, but it wasn't sort of dedicated venture capital firms. It was, you know, high net worth individuals, you know, folks that might have a lot of money and they could write a check, but then you weren't going to get much from them sort of beyond that. And it was important to the entrepreneur there in that that situation that, that he knew he was going to get a dedicated partner that came to the office every morning you know, thinking about what could they do to support his business, you know, just, just, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're a startup ourselves. That's how we think about our business, right? And we go as our portfolio companies go. We've, we've still got to put a lot of points on the board. And so uh, there's real alignment between us and the entrepreneurs in that regard. Yeah. You know, I got to meet with Steve Case. We had helped when he was doing his Rise of the Rest tour for their VC kind of, you know, in the, what some people call the flyover states, right? And 
when when he came to Salt Lake, our media company made a, a promo video for him and and shot a bunch of stuff here. And, and it was interesting going around with him on his tour bus and realizing like what an advantage it is from a like a information arbitrage standpoint for so many folks who are not personally going and shaking hands and meeting with folks in those secondary tertiary markets in person. Like his chance for insights that, you know, you don't even have to be in the Valley or New York or Santa Monica or something like just, you know, where he's in at in DC. So many of the people in DC have not seen the deals or seen what's happened or got exposure to things that by getting on a bus and going across America, he's got, you know, I don't know if it's completely proprietary deal flow, but it's, it's definitely not run of the mill, right? You think, I think portfolio managers, investment fund managers so often are selling the return, the return, the return, the return, right? And yet, you know, family office, institutional investor, high net worth, they might have enough exposure to that already, right? And so it's not just the return, it's where does this fit in their portfolio, right? Like, think about VCs. I mean, tell me if you see it different. I feel like for you guys so often, it's not necessarily like just how much money could this make It's Where does this fit into our current fund? What, what reaction would you have to either of those statements? Yeah, you know, Jess, I think that's interesting insight. So we, we think a lot about portfolio construction. We, we think about, you know, not being overweight to, uh, you know, particular industry. You know, for instance, we, we do, you know, a fair amount of fintech, but we, we don't want to have, you know, too, too much exposure to, to credit or balance sheet businesses, you know, sort of infrastructure plays, you know, obviously we, we, we like that, that part of the landscape, but, but again, don't want to be over allocated there. So, so we're, we're very mindful about trying to construct a, you know, a diverse portfolio. I mean, you look at, you know, sort of COVID and, and, you know, who, who could have, you know, been prepared for that, but, you know, we've got some companies that, that are a bit more counter cyclical or, or, or some that have actually benefited uh, quite meaningfully, you know, from, from sort of the situation, you know, and, and the way it's driven their business. You know, you also touched, you know, Jess on, on the fact that sort of, you know, having boots on the ground in, in some of these communities and meeting these entrepreneurs. And I think that is really, really important. A lot of respect for, you know, Steve Case and Revolution. We actually have, have an investment uh, in a company in Richmond, Virginia with, you know, with Revolution called Temper Pack, which is a sustainable packaging company. But, you know, fully agree, like it, it's, you know, in, in many regards, right, it, it, it's it's going to be sort of return driven. But but we've met a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, in some of these communities, I'm sorry, LPs, which which are investors in some of these communities that love the fact that we might be making investments in the southeast. Right. And so they want to be supporting their communities, you know, supporting, you know, sort of talented individuals throughout, you know, sort of sort of those regions. And so you know, we, we've seen that that it's you know, frankly, that's the biggest driver in, in their decision to make an investment in our fund is knowing that they'll get some exposure to that. So, and, and you know, we, we have to work hard, right, to, to sort of meet those folks because, you know, in many cases, they don't know, you know, how to reach out to a third prime. So, you know, we, we spend a lot of time meeting with angel investors in these communities, trying to, you know, get entrenched with accelerators and, and, and you know, the colleges, universities, and so forth that, that, you know, the talent is sort of, you know, coming out of or sort of gravitating towards. So, you know, it's it, it's a very sort of you know proactive effort on our part to to, to make sure that uh, you know we're sort of waving the flag, you know, and, and the entrepreneurs are able to find us. And we should tell people if they want to connect with you or if they want to submit their deal and ask you for money, if they want to become your investor, whatever, they need to be going to thirdprime.vc. And and what's your Twitter, Wes? Yeah, it's you know, Jess, we haven't talked about my background, but it's farmer underscore vc. So on Twitter, you can find me at farmer underscore vc. You can reach out to me there. Wes at thirdprime.vc as well. You know, we're, we're always happy to, you know, to meet entrepreneurs and, you know, even if we don't invest, happy to give feedback and, and hopefully be helpful. Well, I like your tagline that you might be the only tobacco farmer turned venture capitalist out there. It's a good differentiator. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, I grew up on a little farm in Kentucky. It's actually where I'm sitting today. I, I you know, fled New York a few months ago. I got two little kids and, you know, mom and dad were, were uh, kind enough to have me back and, you know, so, so brought the family back. So we're, we're here on the farm. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been a long and winding road to VC, you know, for me, you know, started here on the farm, was the first one to go to college, you know, for my family and started as a M&A lawyer in New York and then, you know, moved over, you know, to, to the investment world and spent about 10 years in, in sort of, you know, the public markets was with a hedge fund and, and later stage private equity fund, you know, for a while before really sort of seeing the light, recognizing that I wanted to be, you know, very close to the to the entrepreneurs. Love the fact that at the early stage, you've got, you know, really important sort of forks in the road that you're encountering, encountering every day. Love, you know, sort of, you know, working sort of in the trenches with with those folks to try to, you know, do all we can to, to help. So feel very privileged to, to finally have found uh, the place where I, I think I'm supposed to be and, uh, you know, hope they'll be here for decades to come. That's right. Well, um, going back to this, you know, this black box of how to raise for a fund, you know, there's not a lot of great books on it. There's not a great, a lot of great YouTube videos. I mean, you want to raise for, for a startup. I mean, you're drowning in advice and you have to sort through which is the good stuff. Raising for a fund, like it's not that coming across, it's not that common to come across. And if you do, it's probably, you know, maybe it's a third party marketer for 40 act funds and, and mutual funds. Right. And so, and, and I guess just to maybe scope it here, are you guys more targeting like family offices and IRAs? Are you looking after pensions and endowments? Like who, who's kind of your, who's kind of right up the fairway for you guys? Yeah. So great, great question. So as far as sort of our investor base, it's generally, you know, family offices, high net worth individuals. We do have a few fund of funds as well. And into some conversations with, you know, some institutions that, that, you know, hopefully will will become our partners, you know, sooner rather than later. But, you know, to, to sort of give you a little bit of backdrop on, on sort of how we, how we got sort of third prime off the ground, because Jess, you're right. It's, you know, it's difficult, you know, unless you're sort of coming out of, you know, Sequoia or Andreessen or, you know, kind of got that pedigree, it's, you know, it's not easy. So for us, you know, again, we recognize a great opportunity and, you know, my partner Keith and I, we, we actually, you know, recognize that we needed to build a track record, right? We couldn't just come out and, you know, folks trust that we could go out and sort of source these deals, properly underwrite these deals, work with these entrepreneurs. So, you know, what we started doing is just you know, standing up uh, special purpose vehicles, raising money on a deal, you know, deal by deal basis. And, you know, next thing you know, fortunately for us, you know, our first, you know, first investment, we did that in, you know, we, we put about $800,000 in the company and had, had returned about 8 million, two and a half years later, cash on cash. And that, that really was a propellant for us. Again, this was sort of nights and weekends as, as angel investors. And then, you know, parlayed that into investing in several other companies 2015, we looked around and, you know, had, had put about $10 million to work, um, had started bringing, you know, considerable number of individuals into these, uh, you know, special purpose vehicles, um, and they were ready to be our champions. And so at that point, we raised our first fund. It was just over $35 million. Um, you know, again, folks that, that sort of had gotten to know us, I feel like it's it's very difficult to go out and sort of just, you know, first phone call or first meeting, sort of land that capital, right? There's There's a trust element here that's very, very important. And then, you know, on the back of that, raised the second fund earlier this year. And, you know, again, the, our investor base is growing. We've got a lot of those early investors that continue to allocate, you know, into our funds and just grow the network. But there's there's just, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of hard work. And, you know, we're, we're continuing to sort of, you know, climb the mountain and, and still have a long way to go. Yeah. So let's let's talk about those different sectors. And, and you know, for people who don't do this every day, I know a lot of times they're interested in what that's really like instead of just what's the what's the TV version of it, right? So let's start with with the high net worth, ultra high net worth. When you think about working with those folks, in your experience, 
What are things that either you didn't expect or what are misconceptions you think about that population base? Again, there's, I think there's a lot of trepidation. You know, you often find that, you know, while, while venture is maturing as an asset class, there, there's still, I think, you know, perception that it's it sort of shoot the moon and, you know, you're, you're, you know, nine out of 10 investments, you're going to lose your money. You know, we have you know, tried to, you know, try to educate in many instances. Again, there, there are certain investors that, you know, it's sort of taken us two to three years before they actually, you know, decide to, to get involved and become a partner in our fund. So, I think, you know, with respect to the high net worth individuals, you know, at least in a lot of the communities, you know, it's an asset class they've heard about. They watch Shark Tank. They think maybe that's what this thing is. But, you know, they, they just don't really understand it. You know, maybe they're, they're you know, they, they've historically invested in real estate or, you know, obviously, you know, stocks they understand. But, you know, they, they understand cash flow in businesses. But when you say, hey, look, we're going to go out here and make a bet that, you know, a company's going to likely need $100 million, but hopefully it's going to be worth billions someday, right? A lot of times it's just, you know, sort of difficult for, for, for some folks to wrap their head around that. So, you know, oftentimes you'll, you'll find that, you know, there, there needs to sort of be, you know, that component where, where you're sort of educating, you're talking about, you know, the strategy, you know, how sort of this works. You know, one thing for us is, you know, coming from private equity backgrounds, we are mindful of, of sort of loss ratios and, and you know, be, you know think, thinking about capital efficiency and, and as I said before, you know, kind of how, how, you know, companies in our portfolio can perform sort of uh, in, in, in various, you know, economic situations. So it, it's kind of walking, you know, sort of those individuals and institutions through that, which I think you know, provides them with more confidence. And, you know, ultimately, you know, in many instances has, has translated into them, you know, sort of, you know, making the investment into third prime. Yeah. So, and, you know, not everybody will know these, but when you think of the, about the different securities regulations and how Jobs Act has changed, has changed some things and stuff, were you guys doing like kind of a Reg D 506B accredited raise or what, what are your, what's kind of your, you know, exemptions of choice? Yeah. So, so we, we, we fly under the venture exemption. So, so long as we've got under 100 LPs per fund, you know, while we're registered with the SEC, yeah, that that's, you know, just, just sort of the way that we operate. So obviously everybody has to be an accredited investor. You know, one of the things that people don't understand is, you know, obviously you can't go out and sort of market these things broadly. You have to be very mindful of, you know, sort of how, you know, how, how you're approaching individuals, making sure that, you know, that they're accredited and whatnot. But yeah, that, that's, you know, that, that's the other hard part here, right? Is, you know, you might have somebody that sort of wants to tiptoe in and say, yeah, here, I'll give you, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars, but recognizing that you're trying to raise, you know, 50, a hundred million dollars per fund. And again, you're limited to, you know, less than a hundred slots. You know, you kind of have to average out there, you know, 500,000, a million or so. And so that, that sort of just, you know, creates you know, a bit more of a dynamic where, you know, a lot of times what we're doing is trying to determine allocations, you know, recognizing that folks come to the table and say, hey, I you know, really want to get involved here, really like what you're doing. But, you know, again, recognizing we've got, we've got to operate under, you know, under this exemption, you know, can make it more challenging. Yeah. You know, so at our fund right now, we're doing a, a 506C so that we can do general solicitation. And it's, it is kind of odd, right? Because you come off eight decades of that being illegal. <laughs> And like, yeah. so what, you know, where are all the lines and, you know, your lawyer can give you this list, but there's still the like, well, will the regulators, you know, it's not set in stone. Right. And so will the regulators yeah. like that or not like that? And, and then there's so many, there's so many folks out there that don't even know about jobs act. And so you can even scare investors by like, well, why are you doing that? You're that's illegal. You're like, well, actually that's about four years ago. It's not, but I understand yeah. you haven't heard of it yet. You know? Yeah. So I, I'm interested with, you know, and don't get me wrong, a 506B is how, you know, how many tens of millions a month get raised, right? 
and, and some of these accrediting exemptions. But with that limitation of non-solicitation, what have you guys found? Like when you think about reaching out to folks and how do you develop relationships without, you know, <laughs> Facebook ads, <laughs> right? Without advertisements and billboards. What's that? What have you guys found successful in that process? Yeah. Yeah. Look, a lot of sort of reliance on our partners, right? So, so what you often find, you know, I went back to that, that trust element before, you know, if we just knock on, on the door of, or, you know, somebody introduces us that, that really doesn't have a deep sort of, you know, affiliation or, or, or can't really vouch, you know, for, for our characters and our track record really hard. But what we've also, you know, found is, you know, the flip of that is somebody that's been, you know, investing with us since that first SPV. And, you know, now they call their, you know, their friend and say, hey, look, this has been great. Oftentimes, you know, we get an investment from them sight unseen, right? We don't even have to take the meeting. So, you know, you really find once you start pulling on some of these strings, it starts to get much, much easier, right? Because, you know, again, it just, I think folks like to run in circles, right? If somebody's sort of done the diligence, you know, it obviously, you know, sort of facilitates sort of them getting more comfortable. So, so that's something that we've tried to be really mindful of. And then also, as we look to sort of scale our operations, it's just also sort of moving up that food chain, finding folks that can write larger and larger checks, right? So while we started with high net worth individuals, we're now starting to do more with sort of the fund of funds and, you know, some of the endowments and, and so forth, recognizing that if you want to raise a $200 million fund, right, you know, you're just going to have to average out, you know, with that higher number and, you know, sort of looking for some of those anchor LPs, folks that can write the $10, $20 million check to really sort of, you know, act as that, you know, as that catalyst. Because, you know, we obviously have some folks that, that have been there, you know, with us from the beginning. There's, there's you know, no way that we're ever going to cut them out. So, you know, just appreciate that they sort of, you know, brought us to this position and just, just always try to, you know, sort of counterbalance, you know, that yeah. with the folks that, um, you know, that, 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 you know, sort of understand this, this asset class. And, you know, really once you land, you know, some of those, you know, tier one investors, you know, again, it, it just sort of the validation, it makes it easier for everybody to get involved. Yeah. When you think about that leveling up and leveling up, when you're starting to try and break into whether it's the larger family offices or the smaller institutional players, what, you know, as someone who's done it, what advice would you have for the rest of us? Yeah. So, you know, you, you got to think about what they're looking for. Right. And so, you know, they, they typically, you know, if it's, if it's an endowment, you know, they've got, you know, various things that they're looking to solve for, you know, we, we have to be very mindful of sort of, you know, that, that sort of investor, you know, sort of GP fit. So, so really try to be targeted and, you know, making sure we're talking, talking to the right folks. Once you sort of get, you know, the audience that, you know, is likely to be receptive to at least venture capital firms, early stage venture capital firms, uh, you know, I think it's track record. So, so they want to see, you know, typically that you can source good deals, that you can land those good deals that you, you know, you can put sort of a real amount of capital, you know, into those, you know, companies you know, the validation work they're often doing is saying, all right, look, let me see what co-investors you've worked with. You know, you mentioned, you know, Steve Case, right? That That's a, a very well-regarded firm. They see, okay, you're doing deals with, you know, Revolution. They see, you, you know, you're doing deals with XYZ firm that maybe they're invested in or that they know well or that's been around for, for decades. You know, that helps. They want to go talk to your founders. You know, we're telling them that, hey, we, we add value. We really help. You know, we jump in these trenches. But, you know, they, they want to get it from the horse's mouth there. So they, you know, they're, they're doing the phone calls, you know, the reference checks with the founders. They're often talking to our other investors. Like, how are they doing from a reporting standpoint? You know, like, have, have you seen strategy drift? Is this what they told you? Have they been doing what they told you they're going to do? How's, you know, is the reporting transparent? Is it, is it frequent? You know, sort of things like that, that again, just, you know, boxes that they need to check, you know, are, are sort of very important. And so while they're spending time with us, they're also spending time with, you know, other, other co-investors, founders that we work with and, and other venture firms that we've co-invested alongside. Yeah. 
Well, I know we're kind of winding up for time for part one here. When you think about all that experience that you have having to raise the fund, how does what's one way that that translates into, you know, whether it's teaching or guiding your portfolio companies to help help them really be thoughtful about their, you know, their future, you know, funding needs and and ways to approach, you know, the other sources they're going after. Yeah, you know, I mentioned sort of that targeted approach, right? You really need to be thoughtful about, you know, sort of, you know, trying to hone in on on who's most likely to to be sort of attracted to, you know, to, to your company. You know, make sure that, you know, they, they invest, you know, at your stage, make sure they invest in your industry, you know, sort of when, when you look at, you know, some of their co-investments, make sure they don't already have a, a competitive, you know, investment that, that you know, could, could sort of you know, sort of rule you out of consideration, you know, for, for that particular firm. So, so I would say, you know, step one is just being very, very mindful of, of making sure you're talking to somebody that, that is likely to be actionable. You know, second to that is, you know, being very, very prepared. You know, one of the things that we do with our entrepreneurs is, is really work on the narrative, really work on, you know, sort of what, you know, how to, how to best market this story. And then, you know, we're, we're, we're thoughtful about sort of taking it out. You know, oftentimes we'll want a few test runs with, you know, firms that maybe are, are a bit, you know, less likely to, to invest in the company. You know that it's probably a long shot anyway, but at least you're going to get some feedback. You can see the questions, you know, that they're asking. You can hopefully, you know, sort of better prepare yourself next time if there's a question that you didn't expect. Um, and then also just, just with anything, right? You know, I think the more times that you give a pitch, the more eloquent you're going to be, the more prepared you're going to be. So, so we, we just spend a lot of time on sort of that whole, you know, the, the preparation stage and then just making sure that we've, you know, sort of, you know, kind of, kind of you know, work them through the proper cadence as, as well of sort of the right investors and, and, and you're sort of getting to them at the right, right time. Because at the same time, you know, folks don't like learning that, hey, you know, you started this process a month ago. I'm showing up late to the party. You know, so, so it's there, there's you know, some push pull on, on all those on all those elements. Yeah. Well, listen, to end here, maybe what's one of the best pieces of advice you ever received? Uh, you know, I would I would say, you know, it's just I was raised again on a farm, you know, small community. It was always sort of just, you know, work hard and do the right thing and like good things will happen. Right. So, you know, a lot a lot of times things are out of our control. But I think if you go into every day, you know, just just trying to do the best you can and always treating people the right way. You know, I'm confident that, that you know, we'll, we'll all end up in a place we're proud of. That's funny. I, I grew up in a little farm town that my family's been in for a hundred years in Western Canada. And it, it's, I don't know, there, there is something about that. Like there's something about that attitude in those places where your reputation really precedes you. And, you know, people know if you're a hard worker, people know if you are going to be where you say you're going to be when you're going to be there. And it's been like that for generations, right? Yep. Yep. No, it's exactly right. I mean, I, I grew up a little town, just about 10,000 people. And that's exactly right. I mean, that's, that's what you had, right? You couldn't hide from anybody, you, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like, so when I was 10, we moved from Edmonton, which is like a city of a million, right? I was there during the Gretzky years. It was great. But you know, yeah. the moms driving around in minivans, if they see kids doing something dumb, they're like those dumb kids. I can't believe that. Right. I went to this, you know, the farm town of 3,500 that, I moved to the house that my mom grew up in, her mom grew up in, her dad grew up in, and his dad built, right? It's a big Victorian brick. And like yeah. there, it's like if some mom in a minivan sees you like throwing snowballs or doing something dumb, she pulls over the minivan, gets out, gives you a lecture and tells you if you don't smarten up, she's going to go tell your mom. And she yeah, knows exactly. who your mom is, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, 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 that's exactly right. So look, I think that, you know, I've been in New York you know, 20 years now, but you know, sort of that, you know, that philosophy, you know, still, uh, you know, I carry with me every day. 
Love it. Okay, everybody, please tune in for uh, part two. We're going to keep talking with Wes here.